Hello and welcome to Tales from the Innerverse, the podcast that explores the inner universe of the human experience. Hi, my name is Mark Went. This is episode four, The Power of We the People Beyond Social Media. I'm old enough to remember the power to the people movements of the 60s and 70s, but I'm also young enough to have been a teenager in the early 80s. This gives me an interesting perspective on the efforts of my parents' generation and the subsequent misfire of realizing their ideals as the rest of the 20th century played out. Most of us get caught up romanticizing the influence of the 60s and 70s culture. Things like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. However, there was much more that happened that was about politics and power. In fact, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll part is actually a huge distraction in comparison to the politics of mass movements that is the real story of that time. There was a war in Vietnam that was considered unjust and a waste of American lives by my parents' community. However, there were a lot of people in government and society who saw the war as a way to prevent the spread of communism. This was the basic ideological framework for division in this country at the time. There's already been a huge amount written about this conflict. It's not my purpose today to analyze it. The key points I want to mention are about how people overcame what they called the establishment. This is an interesting phrase that is still used today to denote aspects of our society that have become entrenched and calcified into the structures of our economic, political, and social institutions. Back in the 60s and 70s, the media was not yet part of the establishment in the same way it is today. Back then, there were lots of published newspapers and broadcast media that were held in high esteem as the free press. Today, that system of information distribution does not exist. It has since been centralized into the establishment of corporations. It is common knowledge that in 2020, all media sources such as newspapers, radio stations, TV networks, and even social media outlets are owned by about five or seven specific business entities. The reason this is relevant to consider is that back in the 60s and 70s, people could actually see, hear, and read details about the way the war was going and see images on their TV screens of the Vietnamese people being killed. The social discourse about why we were fighting the war was varied and diverse, and our media was subject to the rules of something called the Fairness Doctrine, which required that if you had a license to broadcast radio or TV, you had to offer equal time for the counterpoint, facts, and beliefs in any discussion or debate. This open discussion on national media made it clear over the course of the war that it was an immoral use of force. Additionally, it became clear that there was a profit motive involved for businesses who wanted to capitalize on the resources in Vietnam, as well as for the profits of selling the weapons to the United States government, which were being used to fight the war. The discussions of this information were not subject to the kinds of disinformation and fake news propaganda practices that are currently part of our media landscape in the U.S. today. The clarity of information was a galvanizing force back then in bringing together people to oppose the war. Make no mistake, in the 60s and 70s, the people of the United States got together and broke all the rules. Through pure love and the power of numbers, we stopped the war 
and change the cultural landscape forever. New ideas were tried. We expanded how we live our lives. Earth Day was born. Ecology Now was a potent meme. Organic food began to be cultivated in small commercial ways. There were food co-ops, and people tried social living structures that broke the conventions with the past. We called them communes. And white people started their journey toward uncovering the history of colonialism, slavery, and the destruction of the native indigenous population that are all at the foundation of the formation of our country. People came together and began to break down the dominant paradigm of our social structures. We were able to gather in huge rallies consistently for over five years. Despite tear gas and cops with batons, people stood for change and their slogan was make love, not war. This fundamental activity of mass gathering shook the foundation of the power structure. People were simply relentless in their willingness to share their time, energy, and attention with each other. Something woke up and they stood together for common principles. They stood together and their voices were heard in halls of government as well as society at large. Eventually, this heartfelt movement penetrated the media, the movies, music, and culture. The power of it was the unity of purpose and the collective desire for a more loving, sane world. There were very few distractions, and there was no way to shame people into abandoning each other and the shared vision for a better world. Fierce love and the willingness to stand together against water cannons, tear gas, and the refusal to be divided along ideological lines. People were willing to adhere to principles of peaceful protest, tolerance for others, shared resources. We stood side by side, ready to die for peace, love, and a better world. Their power was undeniable. They took over industries, design aesthetics, and packaging initiatives before branding was even a known thing. The famous Coca-Cola jingle with the line, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, is an example of an advertisement that was bent to the ideals of a whole new world of possibilities. War profiteers, businessmen, and politicians were set back on their heels along with conservative evangelicals who watched Jesus be redefined by a musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. For a brief period of time, it looked like the world was going to change forever. That was until the dark forces were able to drive a wedge into the unity that had been the core power behind this metamorphosis. These dark forces, the remnants of military industrialists, corporate heads who realized that their goose was cooked if they didn't do something, they began to slowly galvanize their own power. You can see the results of this reassertion of social messaging and advertising influences in our divided culture now. Back then, it began with the distribution of cocaine and the reemergence of self-centered ideals like the me generation instead of all power to the people. The cultural phenomena that won so much freedom and had broken open the possibilities for a more peaceful economic approach. Then in the 80s, we got the election of Ronald Reagan, the emergence of even more crack cocaine, and the beginning of the media consolidation. Slowly but surely, the ideals of the old guard were able to reassert themselves. People who did not want to give up power did their homework and realized the role of the media in the process of galvanizing public opinion. Bit by bit, money and ownership began to chip away at the way we communicate and share information. Soon, 
we had wars in the Middle East and cultural separation being practiced in the way art and music were served up in the marketplace. Just like the bins in the record stores, we were subjected to the impacts of demographic slicing and dicing. It all started with the rock versus disco battle in the late 70s and went downhill from there until we had the east-west hip-hop battle sowing division and hatred. Meanwhile, big corporations began to buy up media conglomerates. Newspapers and radio stations slowly but surely fell under the editorial control of the few. Many of these corporate entities did not want to see their profits eroded by a progressive vision of a peaceful world with shared resources, clean power, organic food, and true freedom. I watched as the vision and the energy of 60s counterculture was eroded and replaced by niche marketing, economic division, and an increase in fear-based media advertising. We began to worry about long hair and fashion again. Advertising drove messaging that took back a lot of the ground we had staked out for free expression and eschewing the establishment. Even the promise of the internet got co-opted by the arrival of social media centralization. Facebook purchased every emergent network competitor and began to leverage our personal demographic data as their product, instead of creating a broad context for liberation. Social media has corralled us into even more polarized division and separation consciousness. As meme farms and propaganda sites mine our likes and preferences and appeal to our lower base instincts, foster our biases and divisions even more precisely. Yet, all is not lost. The truth is, we can still galvanize ourselves and come together. People power is still stronger than the complicated web of social context we think holds us down. Just look at the rise of environmentalism, yoga, organic food, and LGBTQT rights. When people decide, nothing stops the marketplace of ideas from rendering a new social paradigm into existence. Love is still the answer. And the world is again waking up to the possibility of a new way of being together more and more each day. Despite the challenges of disease and environmental degradation, people are using their power of imagination to come up with new possibilities, new solutions. The examples are all around us. Elon Musk built a solar power company that can charge your house and your car. Life coaches teach mindset, meditation, manifestation, and transformation. Yoga and organic diet are growing exponentially. In this wake of evolutionary thinking, quantum shifts in conscious awareness of our personal impact, people are looking for ways to change the dominant paradigm again. It has always been clear that war is simply an unsustainable and poorly engineered way of changing how we manage our economic and social structures. In fact, the USA, the creation of this country, is a primary archetype for the power of the ballot over the bullet. The promise of a new world is still alive in this idea of resolving our differences through shared decision-making. It comes down to the power of individual choice. Those dark forces are still trying to sell us fear, but more and more we have examples of how love and sharing the world together is becoming the obvious solution. Cooperation has been identified by scientists as the superior path to biological evolution. It turns out Darwin doesn't get the last word. 
Science is showing us the true value of our shared spaces, the commons, and the path to happiness is not in hoarding and having more to ourselves in isolated enclaves, but in community and coming together. However, we have to activate our intention. We can't be passive and sit behind our devices blinded by memes and hypnotic screens. Your comments are not changing things. The better world is waiting for us. All we need to do is practice consistent discernment, to choose love over fear and the lies. The message of competition and scarcity does not have to be how we live our lives. Innovation, ingenuity, and integrity are calling us to galvanize our communities. Our young people are already designing incredible innovations to meet the challenges of the 21st century. The truth is, we actually have all the power we need in our collective choices to live in the world we want. Together, using the power of our collective imagination, dedication, and willingness to let go of the old story, we are bringing a new world into being. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Interverse. To contact us, please go to markwentcoaching.com. M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com.